accumulation, preservation, generation. At Busey Bank, these are the principles we use to build meaningful financial partnerships with our clients and their families. With sound advice and vast resources, partner with Busey for a personalized approach to your legacy. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. Member FDIC. In the meantime, we've got a lot to talk about on the Second Amendment front. And a lot of the news uh, here focused recently is on the announcement that just came out yesterday, at least that's when I saw it, is that Wayne LaPierre is stepping down as CEO and Executive Vice President of NRA, the National Rifle Association. And listen, um, the NRA gets really mixed reviews and a really mixed reaction. You go out on social media, um, on some of the gun-related pages that, that I'll go check out from time to time, and mention the NRA, and a lot of times, the first 10 comments you get are going to be some use of profanity uh, and NRA <laughs> associated with each other. Uh, a lot of, you know, uh, quote-unquote, screw the NRA type stuff. Because a lot of people have uh, lost faith in or, or lost patience in the NRA, including a lot of gun owners. And I've, I've got real mixed emotions about that. And I've been very consistent with what I've been saying about NRA for quite some time. But but where did this come from? And, and you know, for a gun owner, for a gun owner to turn uh, really against and become critical of what has historically been the leading gun rights organization in the country and the leading defender of the Second Amendment as far as nonprofit organizations go, uh, uh, you know, that, that takes some doing. And I think some of it's absolutely fair and some of the criticism they've, they've gotten. And I think a lot of the criticism uh, directed at Wayne LaPierre specifically as leader of the NRA is completely warranted. And I personally am glad to see him go. I wish he would have gone some time ago. He's been CEO and, and executive vice president, essentially the leader of NRA, so I think it's like 91 or something, um, a really long time, over 30 years. And and during that time, I think, is when NRA has really lost a lot of prestige. And they've also lost a lot of money, and they've also lost membership. And this is all related. It's all connected. And a lot of it, I think, falls right at the doorstep of Wayne LaPierre. And listen, one of the leading criticisms that you get from NRA, and some of the criticisms of NRA are absolutely warranted and, and based on facts. Some of it, I think, is a little unfair. But a lot of the criticism is based on the fact that NRA became known for compromise. That is, they were willing to concede gun control measures. They would, they would give up some ground as part of a negotiation process if they felt like they were preserving ground uh, or preserving freedoms is a better word uh, in some other area. And for instance, I mean, this goes all the way back to 1986, and probably before, but in 1986, we had the we had the Firearm Owners Protection Act, which is a an appropriate name as to some of that act, but is absolutely not appropriate for others, because, for instance, in the Firearm Owners Protection Act in 1986, it's got a safe passage provision. A lot of us call it, which is a way to travel with firearms cross country, as long as you're legal at your point of origin and legal at your destination. You can travel through other states where the firearms you're, you're carrying may not be legal. 
uh, as long as they're unloaded and in a locked container uh, separate from the passenger compartment. And and I'm paraphrasing, so check that out and just Google Firearm Owners Protection Act, Protection Act of 1986 and see the specifics. But basically, you, you have an unloaded firearm that's locked up and 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 is is in the trunk, for instance, or in a locked container. If your vehicle doesn't have a trunk separate from any ammunition, you can go cross country and travel through states where your firearm may not be legal. And that that's what the Firearm Owners Protection Act of '86 did for us, and that's significant. Now, do I trust that necessarily? Do I think every law enforcement officer in Illinois is going to know that I can pass through Illinois with my "quote unquote" unregistered assault weapon? Because there's new uh, there's new legislation in Illinois on that very issue, and and if you hear me use the word assault weapon, uh, don't don't call the studio and yell at me for using a term that's merely a political term that is made up to demonize the most commonly owned rifles in America. I know this, and I've been saying that for a long time. I just use it because that's the term used um, by the politicians when they pass these statutes. You and I know that assault weapon is a a silly political term. But your semi-automatic rifle with a detachable magazine that holds multiple rounds, what you and I would call a standard capacity magazine, that's now been banned in Illinois, uh, although if they're currently owned, you can register them and make them legal. And how, how, how enthused would you be about doing that? Yeah, I live in Illinois. I own my AR-15. I own multiple 30-round magazines. And I'm going to go register that firearm by make model and serial number and give that information to the government. What could go wrong? A whole heck of a lot. But that's a separate topic. And I'll, I'll get to that because, by the way, we're seeing massive noncompliance with that law, given some deadlines uh, coming up here, I believe, on January 10th. But but the Firearm Owners Protection Act, to return to that, that's where you can, you can travel through Illinois, theoretically, assuming the officers there understand the law, and be legal, even though you're carrying a firearm that's now banned in Illinois, as long as you're legal in a place where you left your origin and, and and legal in your destination. Of course, you have to be able to prove where you came from and where you're going. So like a hotel reservation or something along those lines would be necessary. But, but and that's a nice thing. That's a, that's a nice provision of the firearms, firearm owners that I can say it firearm owners protection act 1986. But what else do we get out of, out of that act? And what was supported by Ronnie Reagan, at least he signed it. He was an office at this time in 1986, but also reportedly signed, and or at least supported, is, a, is, is the more proper term, by the National Rifle Association, is what we call the Hughes Amendment. And the Hughes Amendment was slipped into the Firearm Owners Protection Act in 1986, and it made any automatic firearm, that is a firearm where when you pull the trigger you get more than one round out of the muzzle, it made that illegal if you hadn't already registered that firearm prior to, I believe it was April 19th, 1986. So if you didn't own it and possess it prior to that time, if it hadn't been imported or sold prior to that time, you couldn't register any firearm after that as fully automatic. You've had to register them since 1934 under the National Firearms Act. So if you hadn't already registered it, then it banned the importation or sale of any additional fully automatic firearms and 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 prohibited the the additional registration of any firearms after 1986. 
So we essentially, we didn't eliminate the legality of fully automatic firearms, but we capped the number of them in civilian hands as of then and dramatically inflated the value. I mean, what would, what an, what an M16, a Vietnam era fully automatic M16, what that was worth prior to the Hughes Amendment of the NRA, something, or excuse me, of the, of the uh, Firearm Owners Protection Act. See, I've been talking all day, now I'm getting tongue-tied. Before the Firearm Owners Protection Act made additional registration or importer sale of automatic firearms illegal, the, the value before that act was passed and the value after these automatic firearms, is there's no proportion. I mean, people are out there getting $30,000 for an automatic firearms, like a, a Tommy gun, a Thompson submachine gun, typically 45 caliber, it's fully automatic, or other guns. That, uh, that, were, that were registered before 1986 that are transferable, therefore legal, dramatically inflated that market, I mean, by, 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 by many, many multitudes. And, and NRA supportedly, uh, reportedly supported that. And it got a lot of criticism. And, and a lot of people have been holding a grudge ever since. And that was 1986. It's almost 40 years ago. But then what, hap- what, have we ha- what have we seen happen since then? I'll tell you what, we're at the quarter hour, we're going to take a break. I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of this animosity directed at NRA, why I think that is, and um, and where we go from here now that Wayne LaPierre has has, has, has stepped down uh, for, as chief executive officer and president, or executive vice president of NRA. He, he has been the leader of NRA uh, as CEO, make no mistake. But we'll talk a little bit more about that history and where we are now, and also begin to take your calls. Give us a call. Join the discussion, 317-239-9393. That's 317-239-9393. We're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Second to none on the Second Amendment. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back. I'm Guy Ralford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. Uh, as I mentioned, we always want to take your calls here on the Gun Guy Show. I started as a guest on other people's show where they just had a feature called "Ask the Gun Lawyer" back in the day. And by the way, I'm I'm uh, this next year, 2024, will be uh, my 10th anniversary of having this show, which is amazing to me. Um, I think a lot of people would never have predicted a pro Second Amendment show would have that kind of life expectancy, and lo and behold, we've uh, surprised a lot of people. But um, uh, but they, I started, like I said, uh, just as a guest on other people's shows and, uh, and it was just purely call in. That's all we did was answer questions. And that's, so that's our heritage. That's why we take calls throughout the two hour show. So you got a question or a comment, especially about, you know, the discussion, uh, we're having at the time, give us a call 317-239-9393. We always like taking calls from our our listeners. Um, but back to the NRA. So really, I think a lot of this started with the Hughes Amendment, where essentially we lost, to a very large degree anyway, we lost the availability of automatic firearms. Um, and hey, can you imagine, though, if those were more widely used today, what the way they talk about semi-automatic firearms and all this assault weapon, this and that, 
Um, I, I can't imagine uh, what like moms demand action and the Bloomberg uh, crowd uh, would be saying about fully automatic firearms. Uh, but you know, the issue was that we didn't really see crimes committed with them at the time. And it always kind of makes me ask the question when I see various gun control measures, well, what problem are you trying to fix? I mean, even the so-called assault weapon ban, like, yeah, assault weapon ban that we see like in Illinois that's just going into effect as we speak. I mean, how many, how many crimes were actually committed with those? Year to year, the FBI reports that, for instance, Knives are used in something like four to six times more often in, to commit murders in the United States than all rifles combined with so-called assault weapons, quote-unquote, only comprising a very small percentage of that. In fact, we had an assault weapon ban from 94 to 04, and a study done by the National Institute of Justice, and this is the research arm of the, of the, of the Department of Justice, and... We had, a, a, we had research done as that bill, that law was set to expire. The government, the government's own research agency went out and, and studied how much violence was actually prevented by having a quote-unquote assault weapon ban on the books for 10 years. And, they, and, and their conclusion was, were it to be renewed based on historical facts, the, the, the real difference in terms of violent crime would likely be too small to measure. And that's a quote. And the reason for that is because so-called assault weapons were used in such an incredibly small number of crimes to begin with. Less than 2%. So again, what problems are, 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 are these people trying to pass, trying to fix when they pass these laws? And, and that's certainly true. It would be true if we still had the availability of, of, of automatic firearms. So NRA started getting a lot of criticism uh, over the Hughes Amendment that we saw in 1986, and here much more recently, and I was vocal about this, after the Las Vegas shooting, still the largest mass shooting in terms of fatalities we've seen here in the United States, and it was absolutely horrific. Some of the video is just heart-wrenching, but it's where, where, where a guy broke out some windows of the Mandalay Bay Hotel from an elevated floor and started shooting down at a country music festival across the street. And I've stayed in the Mandalay Bay Hotel. I know exactly where we're talking about. And he had a, a, a an elevated position and was just spraying this country music festival with, with firearms. And he reportedly used a bump stock. And I've said here on the show before, I'll, I'll say to the day I die, in, in watching those videos and hearing the audio from the videos that were released, that did not sound like a bump stock to me. That, that sounded like a belt-fed, uh, fully automatic machine gun is what it, it sounded like to me. And I still don't think we're getting the straight scoop. I'm not big on conspiracy theories. I'm not even close to being big on conspiracy theories. I tend to roll my eyes at most. But we're not getting the straight scoop on Vegas. I will continue to believe that. But he reportedly used a bump stock. So what happened immediately after that? The NRA came out and said, we invite the ATF to reassess the legality of bump stocks. The NRA issued a public statement saying that. Now, what were they thinking? 
I'll guarantee you they were thinking, well, if we give up bump stocks, because nobody really cares about bump stocks. And I've said often right here on the show, I think bump stocks are stupid. Bump stock is an accessory that allows the stock of the gun essentially to bounce off your shoulder. And you don't need a bump stock to shoot this way. You can do it with a rubber band. You can do it with a belt loop. I've done both. But it makes it easier to allow the gun to bounce off your shoulder. And if you just maintain your finger in a fixed position, as the gun bounces back and forth, it'll cause the gun to fire every time it bounces forward again. You pull the trigger just by holding your gun or your trigger finger steady. And so it can you can fire a gun very rapidly like that. Does it sound somewhat like fully automatic fire? Yes. So since the Las Vegas shooter reportedly used a bump stock, what did we have happen in the aftermath? NRA, I'll guarantee you, was thinking they want, they're going to want to ban assault weapons, which they clearly did. And there's going to be some momentum to banning assault weapons in Congress. And some, some, some conservative members of Congress may be, may be more swayed to vote in favor of that because we've had this, because we've had this horrific shooting. And so NRA clearly thought, well, what if we just give them bump stocks? And like I said, bump stocks are stupid. You're, tra- you're, you're, you're trading accuracy for rate of fire, which in most scenarios is just stupid. You bring a bump stock to my range, even when they were legal, I'm going to roll my eyes at you. So since nobody much cares about bump stocks, let's sacrifice bump stocks as a means of preserving our freedoms in other areas, including avoiding an assault weapon ban, because we'll make them happy with a bump stock ban. But, you know, I, 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 I put out a, a meme that I, I put on social media that I created myself, and I said, Dear NRA, because I wanted to communicate that they're not understanding. Uh, you would think the NRA, uh, more than anyone else, would know this. These people don't go away. The people that want to assault your gun rights, you don't give them a little bit, and they get happy and say, well, I'm done now. It's a war of attrition. It's a war of attrition until they completely gutted the Second Amendment. And they've said, they've put out public declarations on various anti-two-way websites. They're, they're trying to kill the Second Amendment through a death by a thousand cuts. Every little bit they get, all that just ratchets in one direction. You never get any rights back. And, 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 and so I put out a meme that I created, and it said, Dear NRA, when the wolves are at the door, you don't throw them a scrap of meat and expect them to go away. And I thought that very effectively communicated what I was trying to say. All you do is make these people more ravenous. They get to celebrate their success because they've eliminated one gun accessory, and they'll go right on to their next project. And if that's an assault weapon ban, you're going to be facing it the exact same way as you were before. But what you have also done, and this was the huge mistake, and President Trump is the one who called for this. President Trump, right on TV, I was watching the live conference at the time, said, oh, bump stocks, bump stocks are gone. I've told ATF, bump stocks are gone. And the, and the NRA said, we invite the ATF to reevaluate the legality of bump stocks. What is the huge mistake in that? It's not just giving away bump stocks. Again, I don't care about bump stocks as such. If they'd never been invented, it wouldn't have bothered me a bit. What do I care hugely about? 
I care about precedent where the ATF, with no involvement of Congress, where an administrative agency just goes and rewrites its own regulations and changes a law passed by Congress, in that case, to redefine what an automatic firearm is, so as to include bump stocks. And our and a, and a quote unquote conservative president being all behind that. And I said at the time, you're giving ATF the ability on its own, with a full endorsement of NRA and the full endorsement of 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 of, of Donald Trump, to create the precedent that with the stroke of their pen. Remember, Obama used to say, "Well, I can't get any gun control passed in Congress, but I have a phone and a pen." What was he talking about? He was calling. For, for administrative regulation to do what Congress refused to do. What does that violate? It violates the Constitution, and specifically, Article 1, Section 1, that says all legislative power shall be vested in the Congress of the United States. It's called the Vesting Clause. And there's a reason it's right up front, because only Congress makes laws. The executive branch, including administrative agencies that report to the president, don't make laws. But the NRA said, oh, yeah, sure, ATF, make bump stocks illegal. Donald Trump said exactly the same thing. And what have we seen since then? What have we seen since then? Ghost guns regulation, you know, so-called ghost guns, another silly term, but homemade, self-made firearms that don't have to be serialized. Now, they're only for personal use. If you transfer one, you sell one, you've just committed a crime under federal law. But all of a sudden, they start making gun parts regulated just like firearms and tried real hard. Uh, they, they, you know, uh, uh, Pistol braces, just through a regulation, should have been written by Congress. They changed the definition of a short-barreled rifle and interpreted uh, pistols with pistol braces on them to be short-barreled rifles that have to be registered under the NFA. And it goes on from there. There are multiple other examples. And all that precedent was set at the instance, even request, of the NRA and Donald Trump. It's not about bump stocks. It's about the precedent of an administrative agency changing a law when only Congress has the legislative ability under Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution. That's what it's about. So I'm out posting publicly being critical of NRA. A lot of other people were too. And again, I think... This is a time when NRA started losing credibility because people saw them as simply conceding too much. Now, when we come back, we're well past the bottom of the hour. It's past time to take a break. We come back, I'm going to talk about how I have somewhat of a, I wouldn't say it's love-hate, kind of love-frustration relationship with NRA because there's a lot to love about NRA, particularly what they do right here at the local level and what they've done historically right here in Indiana and in other states which is tremendous, and people lose sight of this. And I always want to remember, uh, remind people of this. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Your rights, your responsibilities, your guns. This is The Gun Guy with Guy Relford on 93 WIBC. Well, welcome back. I'm Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WIBC. 
It's talking about Wayne LaPierre stepping down as executive vice president and CEO, chief executive officer of NRA. And and a lot of us, uh, I think, are relieved this has happened. And a lot of a lot of it goes back to what I think can only be seen as some mismanagement in NRA, and also allegations. And and a lot of these seem to have some substance behind them of mismanagement of funds. And I'll go into more detail on that, but also how much NRA is 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 been spending on litigation costs. And look, I'm a litigation lawyer. So I'm not mad at the lawyers out there uh, representing NRA and trying to preserve them as an effective uh, gun rights organization here in the United States. But some of it goes to what led to all that litigation to begin with, including how NRA has chosen to spend a lot of your money and mine that we've sent in to support that organization in terms of membership fees. And look, I'm a benefactor life member of NRA. I've sent a lot of money to the folks at NRA. And, and I believe we need a strong, effective NRA to help us preserve Second Amendment rights in this country, particularly at the federal level. And NRA has been great support for us right here locally, and I'll talk more about that when we come back after the top of the hour. But some of the problems they're having now, including some of the litigation they're embroiled in, are its own damn fault. And some of it comes from the really outlandish spending that we've seen specifically from Wayne LaPierre. And he's spending your money and mine. And I think that's why we have some folks are glad he's gone. I'll get more into all of that and continue to take your calls when we come back. Right now, as we approach the top of the hour, we're taking a break. This is Guy Relford on The Gun Guy Show on 93 WYBC. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. This is the Second Amendment, and this is The Gun Guy. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, 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 bang. Boom, 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 boom. Bang, bang, bang. With Guy Ralford on 93 WIPC. And welcome back for hour number two of the Gun Guy Show, 93 WIBC. So I've been talking quite a bit about NRA and Wayne LaPierre stepping down as executive vice president and CEO. And and I think this is a good thing, but let's take stock of where NRA really is. Reportedly, and, and NRA never releases its actual membership lists or membership numbers specifically, but occasionally they will announce like a milestone of saying they've hit, you know, like 5 million members or they're approaching 6 million members or something along those lines. And and several reports I've seen um, say that uh, NRA membership is down substantially. And, and, and listen, make no mistake, a lot of times NRA gets called the, you know, the mouthpiece of the gun industry that's, uh, that's fully funded by you know, uh, gun, uh, um, firearms manufacturers and, or, or, or retailers um, or ammunition manufacturers. And, and that's really not the case. NRA's grassroots. NRA is a membership organization. Now, it has a, a legislative uh, and lobbying wing called NRA ILA, Institute for Legislative Action. And, and I've worked with NRA uh, ILA a, a lot. And they get their contributions from a number of different sources, and, and, and they won't turn down those contributions. They come in from large organizations. But primarily, the strength of NRA has been as a grassroots organization. Because people aren't just 
just clicking it uh, on a website, you know, Moms Demand Action will come out and say they have X number of members. That's based on likes on their Facebook page or something. And 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 if you're a member of NRA, it's because you've written a check. Uh, you've gotten your credit card out and and sent them some money. And you can buy a one-year membership. You can buy a multiple-year membership. You can buy a life membership. And then there are different levels of life membership. I'm, like I said, I'm at the, I don't know, third or fourth or fifth level above just life called Benefactor Life Member. And that's based on the money I've sent in. And I'm just one guy who believes in Second Amendment rights. But that's where NRA gets its power. And and it gets primarily most of its funding is is from you and me. And and those people that are not happy with NRA because they don't see NRA as having fought hard enough on issues or being too conciliatory on things like the Hughes Amendment all the way back in 1986 or on bump stocks. And again, I don't know that many people really upset about bump stocks. That's not the issue. The issue is the precedent of ATF simply rewriting a law that really Congress should have rewritten for the law to change under basic constitutional principles and what we call the vesting clause of the Constitution, which says that all legislative power shall be vested in, in the Congress of the United States. And a legislative agency that's part of the executive branch is not part of Congress. So, and, and you know, the NRA invited that. But also, NRA has gotten itself in, in a real financial problems, in financial straits, because it's gotten embroiled in a lot of litigation, and they're spending tens of millions of dollars. I mean, when they have their their report to the to the membership, and you know, and, and when they come in and, and have these board meetings, they're talking about literally tens of millions of dollars that keeps getting spent, money that ought to be going to fight for your Second Amendment rights. Instead, is is being used to defend litigation. Now, look, you don't have to have done anything wrong to get sued in this country. And for instance, the the major lawsuit they're facing, they've spent a ton of money on, is by the New York Attorney General, Letitia James. And you sh- you've seen what she's done going after Trump, which has just been ridiculous. Um, and and is she a political animal motivated primarily by? animus toward conservative causes, including the Second Amendment? Absolutely. Make no mistake. That's who Letitia James is. At the same time, NRA's brought some of this on itself based on what it's done with your money and my money. And there are reports of Wayne LaPierre with accounts at, at very expensive men's stores. And we're talking Rodeo Drive, in Beverly Hills and spending tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on his own clothing line and billing that to NRA, taking luxury vacations and leasing yachts, going to the Caribbean, spending a lot more money that you and I, than you and I can afford to go spend on a vacation. And they're doing that with NRA money. And look, they may say, hey, look, they're entertaining legislators or, or, you know, this is all productive and they're getting good things done. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't smell like that. It smells like bilking the organization to put money in their own pocket and live a lifestyle that they want to live. Hey, I'd love to, to go to some men's store and on, 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 on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills and, and buy some custom-made suits. 
I don't know if they'd have anything on Beverly Hills that would be as conservative as I like to for my suits to be. But if hey, if they're fully custom, we can make them what we make them. I can't afford to do that. Uh, but Beverly, but 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 Wayne Lapierre did right there in Beverly Hills with your money and my money, and 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 on that basis. A lot of people have been very upset with him, and and it's led to this lawsuit in New York because what Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, is doing is challenging the nonprofit status of NRA, saying, look, this thing is not a true nonprofit in the sense that it exists for the benefit of its members. It's existing for the benefit of its leadership, who are leading lifestyles they shouldn't be leading on NRA funds, with NRA funding. And and on that basis, it shouldn't be granted nonprofit status, which has an effect on how you pay taxes and whatnot, because they don't operate as a nonprofit, because these people are getting rich in the process. And look, do I think that's exaggerated? No doubt about it. Do I think Letitia James is motivated in large part because she despises the Second Amendment? You bet. Has she weaponized the litigation process uh, because she despises what NRA stands for in terms of an organization fighting for Second Amendment rights? No doubt. But the NRA also gave her a whole bunch of ammunition, no pun intended, by how they've spent your money and mine. And a lot of people have been upset with that. And, And look, there's been intrigue going on in the very leadership of NRA for quite some time. In 2019, a lot of this unfolded right here in Indianapolis. If you remember, we were hosting the NRA annual meeting in April of 2019. And at the time, Ollie North was president of NRA. Wayne LaPierre was still executive vice president and CEO. So Wayne was in charge, but Ollie was a close number two. And you remember who Ollie North is. He gained a lot of fame during the the so-called Iran-Contra scandal. They were selling weapons to Iran and diverting those funds to the Sandinistas who were fighting, or excuse me, to more right-wing um, uh, rebels, uh, it, it, the Sandinistas, uh, who were fighting left-wing organizations in, 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 in Nicaragua. And so, and a lot of people looked at that as simply being patriotic and him doing the right thing and being a little creative in how he got his funding. Other people looked at it as a violation of federal law. He did get convicted on 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 some charges and, and had those convictions overturned, by the way, on appeal. But he was a kind of a famous guy, and a lot of people were excited. A lot of, see him saw, a lot of people saw him as a true patriot. A lot of people were excited to see him come in as president of NRA. But he clearly had a big dispute with Wayne LaPierre that unfolded right here in Indianapolis. Because he came for that Saturday, in fact, I saw him and spoke to him, but then left, and he apparently had tried to force Wayne LaPierre out. In fact, LaPierre announced that that Ollie North had threatened to reveal um, harmful information about Wayne to the board of directors if Wayne didn't quit. And Ollie was trying to use this whole process with the board of directors to have Wayne voted out. And, you know, the old saying, he, he who shoots at the king must kill him, played out perfectly because Ollie apparently made a power play to force Wayne out. Wayne didn't go for it, fought Ollie tooth and nail, and Ollie then announced that he was being forced to leave instead. 
And in fact, another senior member of senior management of NRA right on the stage, right here in Indianapolis, read a letter from Ollie North saying that he was leaving because he'd been forced out because he still had very dire concerns about the management of NRA and Wayne LaPierre. So you had all this castle intrigue and explicitly or implicitly a, a, a lot of pointing of fingers at Wayne LaPierre saying you've been doing inappropriate things and you need to leave on that basis. Well, hell, that was almost five years ago. And only now, after a lot of the same information is coming out in this litigation in New York, is is Wayne LaPierre leaving. So do I think this is a good thing? Yes. Do I think it should have happened years ago? Absolutely. Do I think Wayne LaPierre has caused the NRA to suffer in, in its in its in its prestige, its effectiveness, uh, and its funding, its resources and its economics? Absolutely. Have they gotten embroiled in litigation that should have been resolved long ago if NRA hadn't provided Letitia James with so damn much ammunition, so much cannon fodder to proceed with that litigation. And that trial starts Monday. And I do not think it is a coincidence that Wayne LaPierre resigned as NRA on the Friday preceding the Monday beginning of that trial in New York. And I think a lot of evidence is going to come out that's going to be extremely embarrassing to members of NRA. So look, I'm glad the the top management's being reorganized. I'm going glad Wayne LaPierre is gone. But I also want to say that, that this is why I have also the, a love component in my view of NRA, my relationship with NRA, because NRA right here on the ground in Indiana has been fabulous. A lot of times for years, before I founded the 2A project, I'd go to a hearing on, on some pro-2A bill, like one of the early iterations of constitutional carry on my Self-defense immunity bill that we got passed in 2019 on the church carry bill that we got passed in 2019. For a lot of years, I'd go to these meetings and it'd be me, the NRA rep who had responsibility for Indiana. They typically have responsibility for several states, six or seven states. But we've had great representation from NRA right here in Indiana, the folks responsible for Indiana. Dr. Chris Kapaki was our representative from NRA for a long time. He ended up getting promoted out of that job as he as he deserved to. And he was fabulous. John Weber, who's been on the show from NRA, has been great. You were talking about hardworking, smart people who put in the time, the effort. And they're at the State House, man. I know because I'm there and I see them. And they're participating in those incredibly early morning conference calls and showing up late at night after a session to discuss strategy. And they're putting the time and the effort in, and they've done a fabulous job. And they've accomplished a lot. I don't think we would have gotten our church carry bill passed. I just got a private message on social media saying, what the hell is the church carry bill? I will will respond to that when we come back. But I'm not sure we would have gotten any of those things done with that NRA. And one of the big reasons I formed the 2A project is I saw the problems unfolding at NRA. I saw them starting to lose membership and lose credibility. And I was really worried about losing momentum right here in Indiana on things like constitutional carry. and did not want to allow that to happen. That's why I formed the 2A project. And listen, on constitutional carry, NRA was here working hard and, and were a tremendous help. But the people who showed up, people who attended the hearings, people who sent the emails... 
people who who made the phone calls to the representatives and senators' offices. That was the listeners of the, the Gun Guy Show and members of the 2A Project. And we were right up front. And the legislators involved in that process give the 2A Project a whole hell of a lot of credit for being right up front in supporting that. But that's in part because we're local and we can bring that support to bear. But NRA was right there shoulder to shoulder and working their asses off. And those were the local reps. And so don't ever lose sight, as frustrated as we can be with NRA at the national level, the fact that they're going to be restructured at the top end. You know, the Castle intrigue from 2019 didn't play out as I wish it would have. I wish it would have resulted in Wayne LaPierre leaving. But now he's gone now. He's gone now after almost five years, and I think that's probably 10 years later than it should have happened, if not more. But don't lose sight of what great things NRA has done here locally, and don't lose sight of how many people have been trained in marksmanship and gun safety by NRA instructors. I've been an NRA certified instructor for, I don't know, 25 years plus. And and and, and our NRA instructors teach tens if not hundreds of thousands of people every year on gun safety and marksmanship. And those are bringing future generations into uh, not only uh, self-defense type carrying, but the shooting sports and, and others. Uh, NRA sponsors uh, various shooting sport events. The NRA Competition Center right now is, uh, is down at Camp Atterbury. And they put a beautiful facility in down there. And that's from NRA. So let's don't lose sight of the great things they've done and the benefit they've had even right here in Indiana for our gun rights. And let's hope at the national level uh, they get their act together. I think the developments of yesterday are a big step in the right direction. In the meantime, we're well past the quarter hour, so we're taking a break. I want to go back to your calls when we come back. 317-239-9393. What are your feelings on NRA right now? If you let your membership lapse, are you inclined to join them again? Uh, and by the way, you can join the 2A Project and the NRA. There's nothing wrong with I'm a member of NRA, and I founded the 2A Project. Uh, nothing wrong with uh, being members of both, particularly uh, when the NRA is out there to fight for us on the national level. But how, how do you feel about 